0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: Yo. Technology. What is it all about?
2: It's the single most meaningful experience in my entire life. Really? Um, yes. We ask people like six months later, professionally, like one of the points is always how would you rank it and more than two thirds, rank it among the five most meaningful things in their life right. compared with things like birth of your child. Hello
1: and welcome to Danny in the Valley coming to you live on location this week at the Milken global conference in Beverly Hills, California. If you have never been to the Milken Conference, it's kind of like the summer session of Davos. So basically, it's all the great and the good are here at the Beverly Hilton Hotel underneath the palm trees although it's a bit overcast this week and they're all clawing past each other to sit in on sessions and talk about basically all the problems that they have created and are now trying to solve everything from ai and climate change to the 2020 election and brexit and everything in between they're all here so everybody from the white house chief of staff to the ceo of softbank to the edge course if any one of these events happens somebody from youtube has to show up there's a whole smattering of hollywood types i even saw chris tucker Smokey from the film friday which if you haven't seen it it's a forgotten classic that's all i'll say but anyhow so i spent a couple days here because for me from a content perspective it is rich pickings we have lots of very interesting people in one place so, I grabbed a bunch of slots in this room, kind of a weird hotel room that they set up as a pot, you know, as a kind of recording space. They basically just removed the bed, but the headboard is still stuck on the wall. So, it's kind of a weird aesthetic. But, anyhow, I got a bunch of time in this room and set up a bunch of interviews. So, you'll be hearing some of these sprinkled into the running order over the next few weeks. And the first one is today. I sat down with. Christian Engermeyer, who is a 45-year-old German entrepreneur. He actually lives in London, and he is number 45 on the upcoming Sunday Times Rich List. Uh, He has a fortune of, according to the list, of about 300 million pounds. And why I wanted to talk to him was because, along with his very good friend Peter Thiel, he has put a bunch of money into psychedelics. Uh, Specifically, a company called Compass Pathways, which is based in London, and they're carrying out the first trials really since the 1960s into psilocybin, which is the psychoactive ingredient or element in magic mushrooms, and they're looking at it as a potential treatment for depression and other mental conditions. And so, I think you're really going to dig this one. I I find it really a fascinating subject. But I have to say, I almost didn't make it. Because the Milken Conference is a total madhouse. But I managed to fight through the crowds to my little impromptu hotel room podcast studio. So I will bring to you right now, my conversation with Christian Engermeyer.
2: Hello. Hello. How's it going? Good, good. Hi, hi. Danny, right? Yeah. Hi, good
1: Good to meet you. you. Yeah, so you just hold the mic right around here, right around your chin. Could you say something?
2: Hello. Hello. One, two.
1: Is this your first Milken conference?
2: It's No, it's not. It's actually, it's my third one. Oh. Uh, But there is a little bit of time in between. So the last one is some years ago.
1: Right. So you're here talking about psychedelics. Correct before we sat down i was just doing some reading and i saw that denver city or county is about to put to a vote i think on may 7th which is next week to decriminalize psilocybin magic mushrooms
2: correct which is actually the good thing is you're using the right legal term because they're not making it legal they're decriminalizing yeah basically saying
1: just don't everybody stop worrying about this uh, kind of thing as opposed to like let's go out and get the mushroom dealers
2: yeah, which is a little bit still a different opinion than we have, because if you observe and and one of the companies I've invested in, Compass Pathways, uh, just did the largest recent, meaning not there were studies back in the '60s, but like the yeah. largest, let's call it modern phase two study on use of magic mushrooms, which is the the legal ingredient is called psilocybin, yeah, but colloquial we call magic mushrooms, which is one of the most potentially potent psychedelics. And the main difference that we as I as investor and the companies I invested in have compared to the Denver proposal, and there is another one, I think, in Colorado, is that these are potentially very potent drugs and solutions for, for severe mental health problems. Right. But they have to be administered in a, in a professional setting, meaning under medical Care so by You mean not by a little bag? You yeah.
1: buy some dodgy, smelly guy in a corner.
2: I mean you that's know. the worst, yeah. <laughs> but I think even that's the point. Even yeah. if it's decriminalized, yeah, and you have access to it, the process, the so-called trip, can be very challenging. That it seems to be part of the healing process. That you might have challenging experiences, and you need somebody. You need a certain, that. Uh,
1: professional kind of around.
2: Right. And if you by the way if you look where these drugs come from because these are not new drugs some of them are used in in ceremonial settings to sort of, the yeah, or magic mushrooms actually since thousands of years yeah it were settings where there was a minder somebody right guiding the person through it yeah right. so i'm i'm not feeling comfortable and i don't think it's the, it's the right way to go yeah it should be decriminalized so nobody so somebody who has whatever, grows his own mushrooms. and uh, it's, yeah. But it should not be legal in a way because you need a guide. And even and the second thing is that the one thing is talking about recreational use, but the other thing is about talking about using it as a treatment for some uh, mental health issues.
1: Well, so that's what I wanted to ask you about. So you have a very interesting backstory, which we'll get into. But you invest in lots of different companies. You've had a lot of success. Why is now the time to invest in psychedelics as a business? What is the, what is the case and why, why now?
2: I would say several things are coming together. The one is that mental illness is a huge unmet medical need. And already for that, there are various reasons. Yeah. First, I th- mental health issues are diagnosed more then most likely they have been at 50 years ago. So we, we, we acknowledge things like um, post-traumatic stress disorder or depression or whatever, and which maybe 50 years ago, the recommendation of a doctor would have been go on with your life, get your act together. And now yeah. we realize this is not a mood, this is a severe medical condition. condition. Yeah. Yeah. So then second, the number of patients is growing dramatically and not just because more are diagnosed, that's one reason why the number is growing, that But also our society, how it's developed and the whole, actually the whole Silicon Valley, the whole ever-changing speed of where the world is going.
1: Everybody looking at their little...
2: Our smartphones, uh, Instagram, like the the permanent sort of competition. So there are very interesting trials where where you put two rats, an alpha rat and like a, a not so dominant rat yep. into the same cage and they see each other all the time, then the not dominant rat will get depressed, m- most likely. Yeah, because it's practically permanently has the alpha rat in front of it, while in nature it would just go away. Right, so it's showing you
1: here for your If are you
2: are if, if on right. Instagram and you are, let's say, a normal kid and you see always the fake world, which is most likely yeah. fake, but even if, if you are permanently judging or comparing yourself with somebody completely out of reach yeah. it with a high likelihood will make you depressive so so more diagnosis combined with a world where depression is sort of fostered yeah. Yeah, has made depression as i said the, the largest unmet medical need so just some numbers like more than 320 million people suffer from depression which is 18% more than uh, 10 years ago and depression today a fifth more and it's the leading cause of disability worldwide. And it makes it also, if you, if you count all the side effects, not just the treatment costs, but that people are not showing up for work, yeah, yeah, yeah. all sort of the, the follow-on yeah, um, side effects, side that. effects, are, and if, you, if you count them, then it's the number one costly disease in the world. Yeah, and compared to that... We just yeah, lost
1: productivity, etc., all the kind of medical exactly. costs, etc. Whose numbers be. are those?
2: These are official, like, NHS, okay. like, right. not okay. not our internal ones. These are <laughs> yeah, official yeah, yeah. Okay. governmental uh, right. uh, numbers on uh, or statistics on uh, on depression. And now coming to the sort of business entrepreneurial question, over the the last 20, 30 years, there was almost no innovation. So we still use drugs, Prozac. which is a pretty old drug, yeah. yeah and yeah. all of these drugs, or all of, most of these so-called SSRIs, which Prozac, Prozac is a part of, They are not healing. These are, they make people lead them into a chronic condition. Yeah. And they're just numbing. So they're not. Yeah. They kind of
1: deaden some of the connections. I mean, I'm completely butchering this, but deaden it a bit. So it's not as.
2: Yeah. So I always like, exactly. So they, 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 I like to describe it, which is definitely, uh, and I'm I'm, uh, not a doctor, but like, uh, it's not the, the right medical term. But to describe it, as you say, they, they decrease the range of emotions. But at the same time, you take pain away and, yeah. and negative stuff away you also decrease joy and happiness whatever so it's not it's a not the the drug you want to be on but it's also it's not curing like you, if you're on you're on it for permanent and uh, another interesting uh, fact is that depression is the only area in medicine where it has been an 80, 80, 80 times increase in prescriptions over the past 25 years and at the same time, yeah, a significant increase in the problem. So you might say if something, if people... So
1: 80 times more people are on prescription antidepressants.
2: Yes. And at the same time, so the whole more more problem people. is going up and up and not like you would say, oh, if we have better treatment, more treatment, right. the numbers someone should go down. But it's like, yeah, imploding. Um, uh, are those imploding.
1: America or Europe? Or Western world. So exactly. We don't
2: even talk, by the way, about emerging markets, yeah. which interestingly, but that's now... Not an official number, but that's my, I invest a lot in Africa. My personal uh, observation is that because they're not so yet on social media, yeah, and they have other societal sort of pillars in their society, I, my personal, but it's now a personal statement, not a statistic, is that in emerging market, people are not that depressed. So I think that depression is rather a problem of the Western world. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah the kind of epidemic of FOMO
2: one part of it yeah I, I think like and it's not like we uh we, we we shift in a little bit between personal opinion and 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 hardcore science yeah. but so my takeaway is that one at least pillar of of mental health are three things it's purpose it's some sort of a faith and it's some sort of love and community. Yeah, these three things, I think, if you have enough of them, and it's sort of like a, like adding them up, you can have a little bit less faith, but then you might want to need a little bit more purpose or community or love. But like yeah. the sum of all these need to have, I think, a certain level, in order to make you pretty resilient against everyday bad stuff, which happens to everybody of us. So nobody of us will have a life which is just full of joys. Like yeah. Some when people you love die. Some when you have a bad time in the job, this will inevitably happen to everybody, and there must be a reason why some deal with it and some not. And I think that these three things—purpose, love, community—and faith give you sort of—it's like a stabilizing mechanism. Right. Yeah. And especially these three things are actually in the decline in the Western world. If you look at like. Yeah, community, um, or let's say family structures are dissolved. We don't have like, compared to emerging markets, whatever, yeah. we don't have the family structures we had like 50 years ago. Communities are dissolved. So the whole feeling of belonging, which then has, it's a total different discussion, but also a lot of political implications. Mm-hmm. Yeah, But the whole feeling of belonging is sort of vanishing. Yeah. yeah, Then purpose, I think, becomes a huge issue because I think a big part of our society, even maybe without just subconsciously knowing it, but wakes up in the morning and knows that their job will not be around in 20 years, maybe even in 10 years. So they might not be able to say, oh, I know my job. Articulate jobs. that. Yeah, articulate it yeah. that it's going to be AI, which will take the job away yeah. or whatever, or a robot or whatever. But they feel it. I also, my, one of my political opinions in general is that the mass, if you want to say it, or the majority of people, even if they cannot articulate stuff, they have a pretty good gut feeling if something is right yeah. or wrong in the world. And in that case, I think the gut feeling tells them, whoa, the world is really changing. And what you are doing today, you, the bus driver, you, the, yeah. the worker in, a, in, a, in, a, in an office, whatever, this job will be replaced by an artificial intelligence or a robot in 10 years. Yeah. And that makes them really... Anxious. Anxious. Yeah. Which then could lead to aggression. And then the other one is faith. Not in term, It must not necessarily be organized religion, but I think, yeah, there was a very interesting study from John Hopkins that I think we are, and it, it, I will not make the case because that's again a totally different topic, for or against the existence of God. But I think we are, there is this funny joke, like when people, once you die, you will know if, you, if, you, yeah. if God is there or not. But whatever it is, like you will have had a nicer life, and it's actually there's a truth in the joke if you believe because it takes the the fear of dying away. Because we all, again, by the way, it's coming to emerging markets. Like I think in our Western world, we don't talk about about that everybody of us is is fearing the end of our existence. Our ego is telling us every day, "Oh my God, someone I want to die, uh, someone I have to die." In other cultures, this is more embedded in sort of the yeah. the, the, the society and and the culture. And we try to ignore it, yeah. And that's also like a nagging pain and anxiety, so- and it all comes together and creates a Western world where, as I said, depression is enormously on the rise. Yeah. yeah.
1: So we have depression.
2: Sorry, we could we could completely. No, completely, no, it's yeah, good. But
1: that this, sets, a scene. Okay, set, so that so sets the scene. Okay, so that sets scene. To summarize that,
2: as an entrepreneur, yeah. what I am like, you look at it and like, wow, that that is a huge opportunity in terms of to change it for the better. Yeah. This is so how you. So
1: why? So how did you get? So you. So can you talk about where you have invested your money and how you ended up coming? Because you've done biotech, you've done film, et cetera. It's going into like, I'm going to invest and invest heavily in psychedelics. That's kind of a leap a lot of people wouldn't make. And I'd love to get a sense of like how you got there and why you did that.
2: Well, as you say, so I do biotech. It's actually the business I started with 20 years ago. I co-started a biotech company. Biotech is very natural. I love it. I Mm -hmm. like to do biotech investments anyway. And it's not just, by the way, being psychedelics is one buzzword, but it's mental health. Ultimately, mental health is just like subsector of biotech, which was heavily neglected by pharma companies and biotech companies over the last 20 years, created a void, a void, an entrepreneur wants yeah. to fill with new solutions. Aside of that, I, I've seen cases, because there are countries where psychedelics are legal, a few, like the Netherlands, yeah.
1: Treatment centers that use psychedelics for, for depression or whatever.
2: Yes, yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, so I've seen reports, it's so stunning how, how big the change is and how big the the, the results of, of the treatment. Uh, exactly. Lastly, um, I've done it myself. It definitely counts for me. And because I, you were depressed or just? Dist- no. Um, in that case, it was. It's a long story. Or was uh, it just
1: a music festival?
2: <laughs> no. It's th- no. It's actually, thankfully, it's not because I. This is what I don't believe in. I. I think psychedelics is that is a is a very potent drug, and you need to have it under I just cannot repeat that uh, controlled often enough controlled environment. Yeah. So, and I had the big luck that I had the access to very controlled. It was perfect setting. Was it a it's, treatment it's, center or no? It was uh, it was in nature, but with uh, professional people around me. I was completely. Where f- was that? Was that in the Netherlands? Exactly. Yeah. So nature is a big part of it, but uh, right. so so people are very drawn to nature. So how was your trip? Um, it's the single most meaningful experience in my entire life. Really? Um, yes. Which, by the way, to, to pull out another statistics, if now in, in our professional trials, we ask people like six months later, professionally, like one of the points is always how would you rank it? And more than two thirds rank it among the five most meaningful things in their life, right. compared with things like birth of your child, death of the parents. So
1: I've 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 done magic mushrooms a few times recreationally with some friends, and I had a great time. And then that was like, all right, now I'm going back to my life, and it's fine. Like it wasn't. So what what was it about that experience for you? I mean, imagine it. It was, obviously it was different because you were with, as you say, professionals. I don't know clin- clinical professionals who could kind of help maybe guide you, but. Why was it so meaningful? And was this part of your kind of due diligence, basically, before you were thinking about investing?
2: No, it was not part of the due diligence because uh, just counting like one or two years later, I found the first company to invest in. It was the event which sparked the interest in Mm -hmm. how does actually our mind work. Because it was so profound and so meaningful, you sort of think about it Constantly yeah. in a positive meaning, and yeah, and you, you try to understand it, try to learn more again, and then the entrepreneurial mind kicks yeah. in, which says, okay, why is this actually just legal in the Netherlands, and why is it not legal everywhere, and what is the medical upside? Yeah, right. so I, as I said, I, I'm happy that I was not depressed, but then I learned like about all these numbers and that it, so and the potential it can uh, it can have for depression. Yeah, so it's pretty sparked uh, it sparked the interest.
1: But what was profound about it? What did it allow you to see that you didn't see before? Or why has it stuck with you? Because I guess what I'm trying to get at is when you think about this as a treatment for depression, which appears to be what Compass, the company you've invested in, is looking at initially, what is is the function? Or what is it actually doing to treat that? So I don't know if if through your personal experience you said it's the most fun, life-changing thing that's ever happened. Do you just come out of it with... A completely different view on life, or what?
2: No, in in my case, it was not a different view. It, it's, it's I'm I'm just trying to find the right words because yeah. first of all, like I think my colleagues at Compass can way better yeah. d- describe that sort of hardcore mechanism of action, what does it do in your brain. But I would like on a very like simplified level, and that's actually the good thing compared to what we just said about Prozac. I can understand, in my case, it was not thanks fully like it didn't come up with depression, but like I understand it gives things a a different framework. I would say that way if like if somebody has a death in the family and mm-hmm. that's the trigger factor why he might slide into depression, then there are drugs out there, approved ones, like and you can give it to this person, and he might not be as sad anymore. But mainly because he would describe it as no. he doesn't care about it. Yeah. So if you have lost somebody you loved, this is not what you want. But what you want is that it gives you a it gives you a more it gives you a better framework for what has happened, and that you understand that this is a natural cycle. Mm. It's it's very meaning. This is actually what a lot of people are also struggling with to report about it because it's sort of a very different way of perceiving things yeah. it's very like in a very positive meaning like it's uh and uh, i think the right it gives you a, a, th- a different framework for certain stuff can you talk about what compass is when you first invest what they're trying to do so our headline is mental health company finding cures and solutions for the mental health crisis so one of the first drugs they're developing is a psilocybin based therapy psilocybin is the legal ingredient of magic mushrooms as uh, a treatment for so-called treatment-resistant depression, which is sort of non-medically said, the very hard form of depression. People who tried yeah. several other stuff and, and failed, it and, work, and, right. yeah, and it's sort of hopeless uh, to cure them. Where have things got to are they, in terms of trials? They're in phase two now. That's um, human. It's human, yeah. yeah. So phase three hopefully will be like um, one year from now. Yeah. And
1: do, do you have a sense of why, because it does feel like psychedelics may be just on the cusp of having its moment, just like weed and cannabis in the past few years has had its moment of where it's like all of a sudden it's legalized in Canada, in California, in Colorado, and you're starting to see it being accepted. First on one sense decriminalized, but also, okay, this can actually help in these certain kind of medical instances. It's losing that stigma that it's had for the past however many decades do you feel like we're, we're reaching a similar point for magic mushrooms, which probably since the 60s has had a different connotation?
2: Um, in a different sense, yeah, you could say yes. I think definitely the regulators are very open to look at the data again. Yeah. And the most important thing now, because we became very personal in, in, mm-hmm. in this discussion, like is that as somebody who invests in biotech, we also have to stay scientific and so there are a lot of, let's say, individual reports, and with a lot of data uh, yeah. back in the 60s. But like, what what I think is, and this is a little bit different than than the whole cannabis thing. I think we should not so easily jump from conclusion. Oh, I have one report or two reports, or yeah. So, Anecdotes don't make data. And exactly, there is a lot of anecdotal stuff, and I think the anecdotal sort of stuff points us in a very promising direction. But now again, my sort of biotech entrepreneurial mindset kicks in, and I'm like, okay, now let's do it as a drug should be approved, like under FDA slash in in Europe uh, EMA yeah. rules, like proper studies, double blinded, yeah, proper universities, yeah. And it also will make. It's not just obviously it's the the regulatory point of view, but also what I want, what I think is important to to always know that there is. Just a, a very tiny portion of people who, even if it were legal or if it were decriminalized, would use it and even more if you 're depressive like yeah. the, the the risk I see again coming back to your very first question with the the Denver thing is like that this is driven by people with good intentions who had maybe a personal experience and say oh why shouldn 't that be legal or decriminalized, but they might have been completely healthy. They might have had a great setting. They might have been lucky that they had access to somebody who guides them. Yeah, but somebody who's really depressive might not be that lucky. Even might yeah. not be that daring and that sort of adventurous, to say it that way. Yeah. So I'm always like cautiously saying, let's not go from an individual anecdotal thing to this is how 320 million people right. can be treated. And if the studies will prove what anecdotally is then this is a good solution potentially but yeah. then also these 300 million 320 million people should have access to it in a proper setting yeah and and is this this
1: the, is a, just in terms of the context is this the first kind of i don't know if there were studies done back in the 60s i know there was lsd studies but is this the kind of the first time that mushrooms are being looked at in this way in a clinical setting as a potential treatment for medical conditions
2: Yes, all, uh, meaning I, I'm not an expert on all yeah. the studies, but most of the studies I'm aware of in the 60s were just way too small. Yeah. Again, they point us yeah. in the direction. But that basically there is nothing
1: has happened for decades until basically now.
2: Yes. What has happened back then in the days is not how an FTA right. approved process yeah. looks like. Yeah. yeah, It's just smaller. It's just like it's ground research or basic research. Yeah, yeah. It's not the research you would do. That is what the mission of Compass, for example, and some other companies for other drugs I have invested in, is doing right now.
0: VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen.
2: VoiceOver on,
1: settings.
0: So you can navigate it just by listening.
1: Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from
0: 10 to 11. And get on with your day. $45 upfront for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
1: Can we go back to the beginning, back to teenage Christian in the, <sighs> what, 90s? It,
2: yes, yeah. teenage Christian was in the 90s, yes. <laughs> Which gives me a very, very bad taste in <laughs> no, music. I
1: agree. We're, I think we're roughly <laughs> the same age. Um, so how did you get started down this path?
2: If you want the funny anecdotes, it's pretty cliche okay. because I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. So I did. Like when you're a little, little
1: kid. you're Yes. Like, so I oh, did really? sell
2: soda on the street when I was six, like the the very, very cliche yeah. thing. And um, I think in America,
1: it's a lemonade stand. Exactly. But you had soda. Oh, okay, so. lemonade. Yeah, So yeah. so
2: and, and things like that and in yep. school. And um, so I sort of had my first, if you want to call it that, proper company when I was 14 when I started tutoring. And this was the time when I still was thinking I could also be a teacher because I'm very good in explaining. Mm-hmm. So I started tutoring and then I realized there was maybe my first major capitalistic, if you want to say it that way, or economical or entrepreneurial revelation, which is so simple, but like when you tutor, like it's practically you selling your 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 service. Yeah. So I was like, how can you scale it? Yeah, so I decided to employ people because I had a brand name yeah. and people wanted to be tutored by me. And I was like, in order to make more money than just Christian that. Engermeyer, uh, GMBH or whatever. E- exactly. So, and then I, I employed like, I think, 10 people. And then um, I did start to study economics at university. However, then. Where? In a small city like Bayreuth. Oh, i heard it. It's in no. Bavaria, north of Bavaria. Okay. Actually, I'm, I'm from a very rural area, which I think, again, for my mental health was really good. So mm. if I, I, I tell it to my parents every time I see them. They did something good because I'm always happy. Meaning even before the whole subject we discussed today, I was always a very happy person. And I, I do think we talked about what I think like, is important for children to have a, a sane upbringing. Meaning I had all of it. I grew up in a hundred, village, hundred people village. Yeah, yeah how you would imagine it from my little farm. Wow. TV. Okay. So
1: when did you start? Because you started a biotech, correct? Yeah. So that
2: was the first really professional. And how uh, old were you then? I was 21, turning 20, 20, 21. Like so the, did you uh,
1: finish uni? Or did you? No, I did not. I did not. Right. You uh, dropped out to start. And yeah. What was the point of that company? What was the goal?
2: We can say that we invented or we had one of the very original core patterns on a technology called RNAi technology, which is now called RNAi. When we started the company, it didn't even have a name. Mm-hmm. Super simplified, you can block parts of the DNA yeah, out. Right. Yeah. So in the eye, RNA is, yeah. uh, is another name for, for our DNA. And I stands for inhibition, like or inhibitor. Yeah, So you can just yeah. switch on and off. That's very for, simple.
1: And what... To what end for what type of treatment?
2: Then this is a very basic technology which you could use, for example, you can switch off the replication mechanism of a virus and by right. that make the. But very near is like, uh, if you think of, of uh, genetic diseases, they are sort of in every cell of your body, but you just could right. inhibit the, while at the moment we're fighting or still we're fighting a lot of genetic diseases by trying to fight the expression of the disease, you then could really switch off the the So this
1: is about kind of a kind of foundational patent or technology or approach that could then be applied to lots of different ailments, right? Yeah. So you
2: start that and then you sell it? So I was a junior partner with actually two of... Not technically my professors because I studied economics, but I knew them from a scholarship I had, and so they were the, the scientists who had the gotcha. uh, to invite uh, invent- invented it. We ultimately merged with a SPAC in the U.S., so there was a a big roll-up going on because s- uh, certain investors had realized that this w- what it was mm. was one of the groundbreaking themes in in biotech, and and there was a so-called SPAC like a acquisition, like acquisition uh, Yeah, listed yeah. acquisition vehicle. And we were actually, hopefully I'm remember correctly, because it's so long ago, but it, I think we were the first, the very first uh, right. acquisition they took against shares. So and it was so, practically indirect event public. And when was that, roughly? This was
1: 2004. And was that what gave you your nice big nest egg to then become an investor?
2: Yes. So that was practically the first liquidity event. Right. Then I decided to sort of skip university, very cliche as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, be something between an entrepreneur and an investor.
1: And so, and so, how quickly? Because you have a whole, you have an IMDb page, yes, which isn't uh, very common for biotech investors. <laughs> so you've you funded a bunch of films. How'd you get involved in Hollywood?
2: Exactly by that, by, by funding a bunch of films. <laughs> um, so uh, no, I always. This is why I ultimately also decided to be sort of technically more on the investor side than on the entrepreneurial side. I'm interested in, or I want to be able to to spend time, invest in, deal with companies that interest me. so I, I don't just want to have one company. Yeah. So if you do that 20 years, so power of compounding, you yeah. have the opportunity, but I love if actually meaning I love what I'm doing. I love being an investor because you have the opportunity to to deal with so many. So many yeah new stuff, new topics, new developments, yeah. whatever, and one of the things I always aside of just investing is like I also think being creative in a wider sense is is very important, because I cannot perform myself, I'm neither a good singer nor or anything. I always was like obviously, but I had a lot of friends who were in 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 the creative world, right. yeah you someone if you were like the finance guy, yeah, yeah. you someone end up working with them. Financing movies, whatever.
1: What was your favorite film you've financed? You have to choose one.
2: Yeah, it's always like, actually, because it's it's one of my two, but I pick this one because it's so much also fits to the topic. It's called Hector and the Search for Happiness. In that case, it's even more than finance because we. Was Simon Pegg is in there? Exactly. Wow, yeah. good. Yeah, and Rosamund Pike, yeah. Christopher Plummer, like a pretty really good cast like but even more it's obviously the topic which is very dear to me which also was one of the the first moments when i realized that that i'm sort of very lucky that i'm always happy yeah uh, because i realized after the movies a lot of friends sort of were deemed me to be the person they can talk about their non-happiness because now I it's like
1: uh, it's about depression and combating depression it's 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 though. not about
2: hardcore depression. It's yeah. about sort of rather in that case Simon Peck has a midlife crisis. It's kind yeah, of a sad sack. But yeah, sort of yeah. like about being not happy. Like I think this also comes in many facets. Like yeah. we and I I think we're just about to. And now let's maybe get the positive thing. Like we're living in a world where, where in in the Western world we have everything. So. Meaning, yeah, there are still people maybe starving in the U.S., but it's a tiny proportion. But so the 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 majority of people has everything, and it's not maybe the next iPhone. We we are looking forward, so we have sort of a I don't know if the right English word saturation, Mm -hmm. yeah. And and now I think uh, I just like actually this morning some very interesting discussions. There is a whole new, and even beyond going away now from the pure, I'd say drugs against treating depression. Like There's a whole new wave of mental health startups looking from various points of view, how can we make people happier? Yeah? And yeah. it can be like a biotech company which tries to treat an illness, yeah. but that can also be a company like our mutual friend. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, Are you invested it, in Calm? Unfortunately not. I wish oh, I were. Yeah. We, we met too late. That's we met, a miss. We <laughs> yes, I, I totally agree. Like, But it can be like this, like which sort of make our lives more happy yeah right. so and it was always a topic again which i which i was very interested in i think this will be one of the big mega trends of the next 10 20 years how we make people happier more content yeah. how we have a more sane mind this is what what i love again which i said like what i love about my job because we we're actually at the very beginning just to understand how our brain works how long have you been in london six years now
1: Okay. How'd you end up there of all the places in the world?
2: Well I'm travelling a lot, so I'm scattered, I would say I'm I spend my time I, I'm a lot in the US than in, in, in London anyway, yeah. in, in Europe. Um, and sort of like I could pick a lot of cities where to live. So there's a, and New York is time meaning I just read another great book. I would great. Every Everybody who's listening is Why We Sleep. Why which, We Sleep. Yes, which made me sleep a little Sleep is bit, a
1: whole industry now.
2: And it's it's totally right. So it's actually interesting that it isn't a bigger industry yet because everybody sleeps. You have 100% user uh, coverage <laughs> uh, across the world. No, it's like... And, yeah. and we so much neglected. Yeah. Yeah. So I, what I'm saying is I can't pick New York because the chat, like most of my investments are in Europe and it's just too hard to... Yeah. Permanent. And I'm, as I said, I am started as being an entrepreneur, so I'm very close to my companies. I try to be really helpful. I try to work with them. Yeah, I meaning every investor is saying he's like hands on and that. But like, yeah, I, I try really to be hands on. That right. also means I need to have a physical, physically right. near to those companies. Actually, I was in my dream city, is New York, and London comes closest to it in Europe.
1: Right. And so you're kind of all over the place because you also have stuff in cryptocurrencies. Yeah. As well as stuff in Africa
2: true yeah
1: is there a theme here (laughs) Um, (laughs) or is it just what interests you
2: yes I would say it is what interests me and that's sort of because obviously there is a little bit of a a theme in what interests me there is sort of uh, if if I I would summarize it I'm interested in five things I'm interested in financial services fintech and crypto assets which is a big portion of my portfolio I'm interested in technology in general, mainly what people would call deep tech, like mm-hmm. robotics, artificial intelligence. I do a lot in space tech lately, biotech, as we discussed a lot, yeah. and then entertainment and media and real estate. So very broad, and but. Uh, so you're
1: just rolling around doing what interests you. That, what interests you? That sounds like a great job.
2: Yeah, I'm. I, I'm truly. <laughs> sounds like a great gig. I, I'm truly very happy. Well, actually, yeah.
1: it kind of sounds a little bit like journalism, but just dramatically well better paid
2: (laughs) but i always said like journalists the good thing is like yeah you have to be open i think by the way that keeps you mentally sane like you yeah by the way to to span a little bit how you say to to to, connect to to connect uh, the dots like one of the things people report and we see in the in the studies on if you read studies on, on on psychedelics is a general openness for new things. And what
1: people who have done psychedelics. Who, yeah, so in, right. in the
2: studies, like if you... Really well, because you are, have like Michael
1: Pollan and people like that writing these books and it's become very popular in Silicon Valley. You know, this idea of like microdosing or things like this that helps kind of unlock creativity. That seems yeah. to be a whole movement.
2: Yeah, I, I'm personally, I would be careful. I, finally, like maybe after that, uh, that discussion, nobody believes me, but I'm a pretty like a coward. Like I'm coming back to that. I want stuff which is sort of research proven yeah and for example i know there is a lot of again anecdotal evidence of microdosing but that's a very new thing so at least for psychedelics you have as i said not the the big studies but you have smaller studies around people are like john hopkins university imperial college in london they're doing studies right now of psychedelics none of them has done a serious study about microdosing so, uh, so we just don't know. So I, and yeah. then I'm like, no, no, it's actually, I'm too, <laughs> too cowardish for that. My life is too great. Like I, I'm very risk averse. Yeah, right. it doesn't sound like that when you talk yeah, about yeah, it, like, yeah. but like in, in that stuff, I'm, yeah.
1: Right. And just finally on, on Hollywood, it just occurred to me as you're talking about all this different stuff, is it a different kind of thought process when it comes to investing? Because basically if you're betting on a script, or uh, i don't know if you're betting on a script or a producer or a director and it does feel like hollywood is full of people just waiting for like you know dumb money to come in to fund their project their pie in the sky project there's a lot of really crappy stuff that's get ma- that gets made how do you as an investor go in there and be like all right this is a winning project and the rest of this is crap
2: that's again a complicated question, <laughs> and which needs more. I don't want to bore anybody with, with silence while I'm thinking how to answer that question. Definitely, it's not so easy then with companies because, as you said, like Hollywood is a very, or it's Hollywood as a synonym for yeah. filmmaking. I think the biggest problem, and what I try to look at, it, if it's different in a certain project, look the biggest problem is that while in, in Silicon Valley or in venture capital, people are very much focused on alignment of interest Mm -hmm. like yes there are people who put money in yes there are people who put their time in and their ideas but like ultimately everybody just gets a share in the cake when the thing is ipo it's successful exited whatever yeah here in hollywood it's all about disalignment of interest like yeah if there is a project then everybody is (laughs) is is grabbing the money and runs Yeah. yeah no matter if the film is great or whatever it's actually very sad because I think the industry, I mean, you could say it does well, but like it could do even better, I think, if there were more of a entrepreneurial sort of shared burden, shared upside. So I always try to look at projects where there was like this buying of, for example, actors or, yeah. or or directors because they loved the idea as much as I should like it as an as an as an mm-hmm. investor. So we all like sort of in it together and yeah, yeah. Um, there of like was shares of the, in a company yeah, or whatever. Exactly, it's a little bit yeah. like setting up a company together where yeah. nobody gets an upfront payment. Yeah, yeah. sometimes that
1: happens. Yeah, it you know, is it's like still it's, pretty rare. I was listening to a Michael Lewis podcast with Michael Lewis, who wrote The Blind Side, and he said Sandra Bullock had points. Yeah, exactly. No, it, it and it happens. She did like, them uh, incredibly. And well. and, and if
2: I wanted to say, funnily. Then the people who, I mean, obviously, again, this is always the riskiest thing in in investing is is the hindsight bias because you always see the winners and don't see the the losers. Yeah, but a lot, meaning a lot of the richest people in Hollywood, actor wise, did that and then scored big. Yeah, and, uh, but still, it's a very, again, the industry itself is very tough. But I, I also have to admit, and I think, it would be wrong if 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 you would because i i told you i i do it also because i want to be creative and even in especially in movies you you do a little bit like you passion movies like for example the book Hector and the Search for Happiness was always one of my favorite books like 20 years ago so i was very passionate about to get it made yeah. right? so you have a different measurement for return i always say I'm very happy that I'm making returns and my money somewhere else than in the movie industry. So I'm not <laughs> dependent on making yeah. money in movies, which right. gives me a good sort of...
1: Yeah, it's like buying a boat yeah. kind of thing. Like, you're not going to make money on your boat, but you have other stuff that you can make money on. Or yeah. Whatever. I look forward to seeing what happens with the psychedelics next week. Big week in, in Denver.
2: Yeah, I'm curious as well with all yeah. the caveat we discussed. <laughs> Great. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you very much. Thank all you. Right.
1: So what do you think? I kind of think that psychedelics will follow a similar path of cannabis, obviously much more directed toward the medical end of the spectrum, but it does feel like um, maybe cannabis has kind of opened the way for people to consider one-time illicit drugs or current illicit drugs and their potential uses for other purposes. Anyhow, that is all the time we have. Thank you for listening. Please take a moment Please stop. Give a rating and review. It does help push the podcast up the ranking so other people can find it, which is good for me. It's good for everybody. Um, So please take a moment to do that if you're enjoying the show. And I will be back next week. So in the meantime, you can find I'll probably be doing a write-up of the Milken Conference in the paper this weekend. Um, You can email me, danny.fortson at sunday-times.co.uk or I'm on Twitter at Danny Fortson. Until next week, have a good weekend. Bye-bye.
0: As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone.